your home of the pens and the best pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. Perhaps most of you feel different, but that hit by Tom Wilson that broke Zach Aston Reese's head and all the subsequent controversy that has seen far too many people take Wilson's side and be against the suspension. All that has kind of ruined this series for me and kind of broken hockey for me, at least for a while. Yesterday I was watching the Champions League semifinal. Soccer. Liverpool FC versus AS Roma. And you can criticize soccer if you like. Hate on football all you want. But when I turned on that game, I knew there was very little chance of anything happening that was excessively stupid. In the meantime, this series between the Capitals and Penguins is like a ticking time bomb. And wait till Wilson comes back for Game 7. It'll be like the Roman Coliseum, and I mean that in the worst possible way. Hockey just serves up stupid far too often. I'm still going to watch, and I still want the Pens to win. But every time I see a replay of that hit, or see Wilson laughing, or hear some dopey talking head ex-player make Wilson into the victim and say it was a clean hit, it turns my stomach and makes me not want to watch. Maybe I shouldn't watch. Maybe nobody should. Sick Again brought you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Look at the list of creeps who say Wilson shouldn't be suspended. Mike Milbury, who assaulted a fan with a shoe. Aaron Ward, who hit his wife. Low-rent jerks. My initial reaction to the hit was one of amazement. I couldn't believe what we had just witnessed. And just to clarify, and listeners to this show will confirm, I never defended Matt Cook for his headshots. It's been an awful long time since I bought into that element of the game. Maybe when I was young and stupid, but not for a very long time. What are your thoughts? Is hockey broken? Do you feel guilty or ashamed watching it right now? 412-333-9939. I'd also like, this is way off the beaten path. Your thoughts on the controversy with the Washington NFL cheerleaders. When you agree to take a job wearing a skimpy outfit, cheering for men, aren't you agreeing to be exploited? Now, you can still say no to anything you want. But haven't you taken the first step to being exploited? The minute you agree to, to, like I said, wear very little on the sidelines and wave pom-poms and shake your ass to cheer on men. Again, they should not have been forced to post topless, although I doubt anybody pulled a gun. They should not be forced to serve as dates for team sponsors, but I bet they weren't being dates. I bet they weren't like paired up with sponsors. I bet they were more being hostesses. And believe me, there is a big difference there. 
But uh, I agree they were wronged. I don't think it's quite the federal case it's being made out to be. Although you know who agrees with me on this one? Britt McHenry, which makes me reconsider my thinking to be sure. If you're wondering who to get a bet on on for tonight's game, the word out of Vegas is that since this is a must-win game for Pittsburgh, or perceived as such, that attracts betters. Right now, it looks like 63% of tickets being written in Vegas are on Pittsburgh. Under the premise, I suppose, that again, must win. Washington can't keep winning on the road. And Pittsburgh can't keep losing at home. That is until they do. Let's go to Tom and Gibsonia. Tom, you're on with the super genius. Double M, what up, what up? Tom. I'm sick again with hockey because it's like the fox is watching the hen out. You got a bunch of jabronis that are reviewing these so-called, you know, hitter safety tapes. You know, it's like, it's crazy. You know, if I were Zach Aston Reese, and he won't because this would be uh, damaging his career, keeping a job. But if I were Zach Aston Reese, I would sue George Paros in the NHL Department of Player Safety because you could make the logical argument, okay, this guy hit somebody in the head, didn't get suspended. He hit somebody else in the head, didn't get suspended. Now he hit me in the head, broke my jaw, concussed me, ended my season, did get suspended. But if he had been suspended earlier for doing basically the same thing, then my melon wouldn't have been the one that got smashed. In fact, yeah, Zach, if you're listening, I will represent you in this lawsuit. That reminds me of uh, the second Adams Family movie, which was awful, but Raul Julia was pretty good as Gomez Adams, and he was facing a court case and chose to serve as his own lawyer. And he said, real dramatically, they say that a man who represents himself has a fool for a client. As God is my witness, I am that fool. Very reminiscent of Dean Wormer saying, the time has come for somebody to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Let's go to Andrew and Erwin. Andrew, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, um... So do you think the suspension of three games is correct, or do you think he should have got more or less? I think he should have got 40. Okay. Now, do you he think... broke a man's jaw and concussed him after doing the same thing twice in the prior eight games. Three games is inadequate, very inadequate. You know, and if I were some guy who played like a punk, like Barnaby or Stu Grimson or Tyson Nash, of course I'd defend my own. You see, that's the problem here. They're all defending their own. That's why I can't trust George Paros as the director of player safety and why he simply must be removed from that position because you can't trust someone who never did the right thing during his whole career to do the right thing now. Thank you for the call. Guy said about four words and then got out of the way. That's my kind of caller. Let's go to Elijah in Bridgeville. Elijah, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. Uh, I think what's bothering me most about this series is that we've evolved into talking and nothing about Tom, everything about Tom Wilson when you have a sudden matchup like Crosby and Malkin versus those. It's not my fault. Matchup. I didn't hit nobody in the head. <laughs> no, I hear you. I just don't understand. Um, 
I think there's a lot more to be talked about. In the fact no, you're wrong. You're wrong. When somebody smashes somebody's head in like a pinata, that's the topic. Okay, it is. Like it or not, and it's not my fault. That's the topic. It is. You're right. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Mark and Irwin. Mark, you're on with the Super Genius. Hey, Mark. I think hockey is broken, and I just couldn't believe that when they rendered this suspension that he would be able to come back in this series. To me, that is such a joke. Uh, I mean, you said 40, which I agree with, but a minimum for... He should have been kept out of the series at a bare minimum. Like when Matt Cook elbowed, was it Ryan McDonough? Elbowed him in the head and got thrown out of that Rangers series some years back. And now if if Tom Wilson comes back for Game 7 at D.C., it'll be like the Roman Coliseum, and he will be hailed as a conquering hero in D.C., which will be such a bad look for hockey. And, and that's what they want. They want blood in the in the water. You know. It, it's you know. Like, I don't know what they want. I'm not just. Dis- I'm not dismissing the possibility that instead of there being some goal to be achieved here, that they're just really friggin' stupid. Well, that could be. Like, like you know, I don't pretend. I am a super genius with a tested IQ of 166. We all know that. Okay, but I've never administered anything. I'm not a lawyer like Gary Bettman. I didn't play the game. Well, George Paros never really played the game, but you get my drift. But I have no doubt that I could do their jobs better than them. No doubt whatsoever I would be a better commissioner and a better director of player safety. No doubt. Not because I'd be any good, but because they're so bad. Do you think that they made it three instead of four games for ratings in that final game if there is one? Do you think that factored in? I don't know. Would people turn on the TV to see Tom Wilson play game seven? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that there is a segment of the population that would want to see what happens. I know? think there's a segment of the population that don't want to watch hockey right now because of that hit. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. We have Dan, Nick, and Mark on hold. Please do stay on hold. And we got Josh Owe at the bottom of the hour. It's the Mark Madden Show. It's a hockey night in Pittsburgh. It's just a shame that hockey's broken. One oh five nine the X. This is Chris Letang of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. Here's something that shows how stupid the NHL is. The NHL is running a sweepstakes at its .com where you can win playoff tickets. And there's a crowd shot from, like, the top of the stands. So you see all these different jerseys, names, and numbers. The most prominent jersey in the shot, in fact, front and center, larger than life, it's the Washington Capitals number 43 Wilson jersey. How tone deaf could the NHL possibly be? Uh, Three big football nuggets of news here. Our good friend Peter Quing has, has quit Sports Illustrated. Uh, Pete's gone to NBC Sports, and he's going to do a Monday morning column there. I guess he can't call it Monday morning QB. I guess Andy Benoit, our other friend, will take that franchise over. But so Peter King is with NBC Sports now. Wow. Uh, Matt Ryan 
has signed a five-year contract extension with the Atlanta Falcons. It's worth $30 million per season and gives Ryan $100 million worth of guaranteed money. For a guy who's never won a thing. But I can't blame Atlanta for doing that because there's so few good quarterbacks in the NFL. And uh, just a little addition to the Washington NFL cheerleader story. They just had a uh, graphic on their website showing the history of the Washington NFL team's cheerleader uh, costumes. And as you can tell, I try not to use the term Redskins, their team name, because to me it's an offensive and racist term. But to make the point, I have to say it, they used to dress their cheerleaders up as squaws. Like, you know, traditional female Indian garb, at least traditional in terms of Cowboys and Indians movies. What an excrement show that football team is. It's hard to believe that Dan Snyder and the Rooney family both own teams in the same league because their method of operation is so very, very different. We got Josh Owey at the bottom of the hour. Let's go to Dan in the car. Dan, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, and when Tom Wilson gets suspended, why does the league not go back and, uh, like, fine Barry Trotz or some repercussion against the team in that fashion because they keep throwing these goons out there? Uh, I don't disagree, but it, that's a tough thing to do. Well, the NFL, I, mean, I know it was like the Patriots got fined because they're cheating different stuff, but these people – continually put him out there in the NHL, Trotz can figure something else if he doesn't have Wilson in there for three games. So I think there should be something where, you know, there's some punishment. No, I agree. There probably should be. I just don't see how you do it. I I just don't. I I think if the coach, like, what would you do, suspend Trotz? I think that's true. I I think if if they start out with, you know, it's a a repeat offender, okay, he's fine. Yeah, but if it's a repeat offender, then the, the player gets punished incrementally more. So it's a good idea. I just I just think it's impossible to implement. Let's talk to John in the car. John, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Mark, um, when the NFL started making strides towards player safety, it sent the NFL owners were kind of behind it, although Goodell was the front end. Where are the NHL owners in all of this? Doesn't sound to me like they care. And don't forget, don't forget, in the NFL, the owners make the decisions. In the NHL, and this is one of the craziest things you can think of, the general managers make all the decisions. And the general managers are all these old-time, musty, crusty, hockey lifers who just want things to be the way they used to be. In the NFL, the owners make the decisions, and that's the way it should be because they own the business and they're looking to maximize the profit margin. The GMs make decisions that make everybody relatively competitive so all the GMs can keep their jobs. Yeah, I guess it's surprising because so many of the hockey teams, there are so few hockey teams now in Canada, you'd think that there would be less influence and that the 
Oh, no, 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 no. Canadians no. run hockey. Gary Bettman is their New York lawyer frontman, but Canadians run hockey. Let's go to Mark in Ohio. Mark, you're on with Double M. Good afternoon, Mr. Madden. Hello. You know, when I was leaving the arena the other night, I just had the worst feeling in my stomach that I felt like it was it just turned into a, a crap show whenever after that hit. Uh, you know, the sport that I've grown up loving my entire life, I felt like it was just nobody cares, especially after the referees didn't even call a penalty on it. And the NHL is slowly dying in that, my That's heart what I well. mean. It's the feeling that hockey is broken. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised Phil Bork didn't really mention more of it in the post-game show, but, you know, what can you really say about it? You know what? Sidney Crosby had the perfect quote after the game. He said, what is there left to say? It, 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 you know, the people who take ownership of this game suck. Case in point, Tyson Nash, that goon who's on the NHL Network, he did more to hurt the game than to help it. Stu Grimson, also on the NHL Network, did more to hurt the game than to help it. Kelly Chase does a bunch of media stuff. Did more to hurt the game than to help it. P.J. Stock, he's in the media, did more to hurt the game than to help it. George Paros, the director of player safety, did more to hurt the game than to help it. I like Matthew Barnaby, did more to hurt the game than to help it. And these are the voices being heard and taking ownership of the game. Yikes. Josh Oey up next. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. This is Brian Dumoulin of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden in the best hockey talk on 105.9, the X. Joining me now from theathletic.com, he is hockey man Josh Yoey. Josh, will Carl Hagelin play tonight, and where do you think he'd fit in? Uh, Mark, my hunch is that Carl Hagelin will play tonight. Uh, he has skated for a few days now. The Penguins did not make him available to the media after the morning skate this morning. I uh, trying a little trickery with uh, regarding their lineup uh, situation uh, as they are prone to do during the playoffs. But uh, my sense is that he will play. And if he can go, I think he'll probably go right on Evgeny Malkin's left wing. Um, that's where he's been most effective. Uh, Malkin loves playing with him. It makes a lot of sense to me. If he's good to go, he's good to go. I don't think they're going to protect his minutes that much. Would they put Kessel on the right wing on that line? That's a really interesting question. Um, here's the, the thing. If, if Kessel can play, if Kessel and Malkin are both healthy enough, sure. If they're 100% healthy, I would say yes, I would put them together. But if they're both a little gimpy, and I think they are, it's a little dangerous, perhaps, having them together, or maybe that's what they should do. I know this. If those two play together, Carl Hagelin will probably be the left wing with them because he's such of a safe choice to clean up a lot of the defensive work. But uh, I don't know. That's kind of a mystery. I'm sure they will play together some, but if they're both really banged up, maybe it's not the best thing. I'm not sure. It's tough to pick line combinations up front beyond Crosby, Gunsel, and uh, Hornquist because too many guys are just doing nothing. Simone, Sheary... Broussard, it's a whole lot of nothing other than that first line. No, that that's the single biggest problem for the Penguins right now. The first line has been magnificent, no question. You said it. Connor Sherry doesn't have a goal this postseason. For all that Riley Shan is a good defensive player and that he's played well, he only has one goal. Derek Broussard only has one goal, and that was on the power play. 
So you know, Tom Kunakel doesn't have any goals. Uh, yeah, it, it's an issue. The Penguins are not as deep as they have been in years past. That's just the way it is. And they might be as deep down the middle, but they're not as deep on the wing, that's for sure. And that's why on an article I wrote this morning, I, I really think Evgeny Malkin needs to be great for the Penguins to win this series, and he very well may be. But I think we're at a point right now where Crosby and Malkin are really going to have to carry the, the scoring load for the Penguins because they're just not getting much help. What's the reaction like in the Penguins dressing room to the Tom Wilson suspension? And what's your take, Josh? Is three games sufficient? Um, the Penguins, I actually think, were a little surprised that he got that many. Uh, and you can't blame them for being surprised because they think he should have been suspended multiple times already. Um, I think they were satisfied enough myself. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair. I probably would have given him even more. I would have suspended him twice already this postseason, quite frankly. So at least they gave him something, I guess. But who knows how this series has already been altered by Tom Wilson. There's already a guy with a broken jaw. Dumoulin had to miss part of a game. There were you know, multiple power plays. This is what nobody's talking about, Mark. Not only did he hurt somebody, but the Penguins were up 2-1 in the second period of Game 3, and they should have had a five-minute power play. I bet you they score on that, and if they go up 3-1, I bet you they win the game. So a lot of things have already been altered because of that situation. The hit occurred, and now he's suspended. Okay. What bothers me beyond that is the reaction. A lot of the media is making Wilson into the victim, and that includes people who should be supporting the suspension, like on the NHL Network and NBC Sports. Yeah, it's unbelievable. and Or maybe it's not unbelievable. We've seen it before. And a lot of this is former players, uh, especially guys who you know, were third and fourth line style players, if you will, who are always going to defend their own. I have certainly seen a lot of that the last 48 hours after this hit. Um, and, and, you know, even, you know, head of official, the head of officials, Paul Dvorsky, uh, he's the head of officiating in this series, you know, basically came out and said it was a clean hit after the game. And, and one thing you'll find, Mark, and I know you know this, a lot of referees and a lot of linesmen, they were goons when they played. They were third and fourth line style guys when they played. They didn't make that much money, which is why they still need to be in the game in some capacity. And they have a natural sympathy for guys like Tom Wilson and put it all together. And it's just a very unhealthy equation. This series may well get to Game 7. And, Josh, if it does, it's going to be like the Roman Coliseum with Tom Wilson coming back at D.C. And that's why the suspension should have been four games for the balance of the series. I think that's fair. And, and, and I think it was owed to the Penguins, if you're going to suspend them, I don't think you should be allowed to play the rest of the series. Frankly, if I were one of the Penguins, I'd be a little intimidated to be on the ice with the guy because this is, no matter what you think Tom Wilson's intent was in those hits, and I have my opinion, and I suspect you share it, Mark, but whether he had intent to injure people or not, you can certainly come to the conclusion that he's a very reckless hockey player. He doesn't really care if he hurts somebody. And I can't imagine how he's going to be on the ice after not having played for a week, after being angry, I'm sure, because of the suspension. Uh, yes, Roman Coliseum indeed. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if this thing goes seven games either, Mark. So, uh, I believe that would be next Wednesday in D.C. It certainly could happen. We're talking to Josh Shelley of TheAthletic.com. He's brought to you by the Orthopedic Institute at Monongahela Valley Hospital. Is tonight must-win for the Penguins, Josh? Do you sense they could rally from down three games to one? I really think tonight is must-win. I never put anything past this group, but to win three in a row with two of those games on the road... I think that would be a pretty tall order for the Penguins right now, especially when considering I don't think Malkin's 100%. I don't think Kessel is either. 
Um, and the Penguins have to win a game at home here, Mark. Uh, they've lost three playoff games in a row at home now. I don't think they lost three home games in the regular season consecutively all year. Um, I think they need to win tonight. I, I really do. Uh, the Capitals are on quite a roll. They've won, what, six out of seven games going back to the Columbus series. And also, if you win tonight, if you're the Penguins, all of a sudden, all of the pressure goes back on the Capitals. And, and as we know, they don't always handle pressure very well. But, you know, if they go up 3-1, they can be pretty carefree in D.C. on Saturday night. And uh, that's a bad situation for the Penguins if that happens. So I think tonight's about as close to must-win as it gets. We know Broussard should be doing more. But why isn't he doing more, Josh? What's wrong with his game? Well, I don't want to defend him because he has to play better. But I will say, he's used to being a top-six guy. He's used to getting top-six minutes. He's used to getting top power play minutes. He's not getting that in Pittsburgh. So uh, from that standpoint, perhaps there's an adjustment to be made. But I, when I watch him play, I just see a guy who's a little bit timid. Uh, not so much last game, but I think he played a little angry in game three because he was demoted to the fourth line. Um, I don't see him you know, going into the corners. I, I just don't see a hunger in his game. He's kind of playing a skilled game, and he's good enough to get away with it. But he's the kind of guy who scores a lot of dirty goals when he's at his best. He's not really a perimeter player, I don't think, anyway, when he's at his best. So I think he needs to get to the dirty areas a little more. But something is not really right with the guy. He's been so underwhelming, Mark. He hasn't been horrible. But four goals in 23 games, uh, I'm sorry. That's not good enough. That's not why they got him. I think part of it is, right now, his line mates are just playing horribly. So bad, I'm not sure he knows what to do. That's... That's a fair point, and he's playing with Connor Sherry, and I don't mean to pick on the guy, but I'm sorry. He is not very good right now. If you go back to the last three postseasons, Connor Sherry has two goals in his last 35 playoff games. That, that's not an acceptable number. Yeah, I, I, I know it's a cliched thing to say right now, but I'd have to play Sprong in his place. I would have to give that a try because Sherry's doing zilch. I would certainly consider it. As, as we've said about Sherry, he's the classic case of a guy if he's not scoring, Mark, he's not helping you at all. He doesn't kill penalties. He's not very good defensively. He certainly doesn't have a physical presence. Uh, I, I'm with you. I would consider it. I, I know Mike Sullivan for very clearly does not have a lot of trust in Daniel Sprung. I don't know why, although I know Mike Johnson didn't either. I don't think he's the kind of guy coaches love, but my God, the guy can score goals. We know that, and from everything we've heard, his defensive game has improved. And when he was up at the NHL this year, Mark, I watched him pretty closely. I thought his defensive game was fine. I didn't see him cheating. I didn't see him doing anything wrong. It's absolutely something I would consider. Will the Penguins' defense pinch less tonight or maybe be more judicious in the attempt? Because there's certainly evidence to dictate, like the third period on Tuesday, that might be a good idea. Yeah, you know, they actually did so, I thought, a little better in the first period the other night, and that was encouraging. But when the game's on the line, uh, my gosh, Mark, how many odd man rushes did they allow in the last 10 minutes of a tie playoff game? I think four? That's unacceptable. And listen, they've done it all year. I don't think they're going to change now. And, and I think part of the problem is that the Penguins do not have a group of forwards that's particularly good defensively or particularly aware defensively. And a lot of times when you see a guy pinch, well, it's the forward's responsibility to get back into the play, and we haven't seen the forwards do that well all season. It's been an issue, so I don't think they're going to stop pinching. They haven't done it all year. I don't know why they'd stop now, even though I would suggest they be a little wiser about it, like you said. But um, the forwards are going to have to be good defensively for this team to go any further in the playoffs. It's just the way it is.
Well, Matt Murray's got to be better, too. Uh, and if he plays better, the Penguins win game three. I'm not heaping the blame on him or questioning his glove like some are, but the Niskanen goal to tied 3-3, that's just an awful goal. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people, you know, holding him responsible for that loss, and I don't have a problem with the other three goals. No, no, yeah, I hold him one. responsible for that goal. Yes, and that one in particular, that's a really bad goal. That's a shot from the point uh, when there was no screen, no deflection. He has to make that save. And, <clears throat> listen, we know the glove hand is his weakness. Every goalie has weaknesses. Um, that's his. And when, when it gets a little off, it's hard to miss. I've talked with Mike Buckley, the Penguins goaltender coach, about it, and he's told me. He said, yeah, we know what his weakness is, and, you know, they have practice drills designed for him to work on it. They'll have every player on the team to shoot at his glove side all practice, things of that nature. Um, they know that's his weakness. He needs to be better. Uh, he hasn't been bad this postseason. He was great in game one in Washington, and I thought for the most part in the Philadelphia series he was very good. But he's up and down right now, and uh, you're not going to beat a team of Washington's caliber if you're getting average goaltending because the fact is the Capitals are getting much better than average goaltending from Braden Holtby, and uh, Murray, I think I'm close to matching him. I have a weird take on Murray's glove. I'm not upset that he's getting beat over the glove because that's the most vulnerable spot for every goalie, and shooters you know, take their, take their chances uh -huh. with that shot, but he can't hold on to pucks that he gets the glove on. He's spilling everything. Oh, he does, and you can see when he's off. It's not that he gets beat to the glove hand, but he just doesn't. He literally can't catch the puck. How many pucks do we see go off of the back of his glove, and it affects his rebound control and probably gets in his head a little bit, too. So, yeah, I'm guessing he wasn't a very good baseball player as a young man. He, he just, I mean, so he just doesn't. He just does not catch the puck well when he when he's off his game. So, it's an issue for him. But you know, like we always say about him. Um, he does have a rare mental toughness about him, and, and usually in the biggest games, nobody's better. So this is a big one tonight, and I think he'll play better. It's an odd series, Josh, because either team could be up three games to none. Am I right? It's been dead even. Yeah, I mean, really it has. I mean, you could argue, hey, the Penguins kind of stole game one when they went on that spurt in the third period. And you can also you know, flip it around and say they probably should have won game three and they should at least be up two to one. And they didn't play horribly in game two. So, yeah, it's an even series. Uh, people were panicking because they're down 2-1. But this is the playoffs. So that, that kind of thing happens. And these are two very evenly matched teams. So, uh, yeah, it, it could have gone either way. But it probably is what it should be right now. I, I think that's fair. And when you include Malkin into the lineup, if you know he has a couple of more days under him, hopefully, to get a little bit more healthy, um, they're pretty much dead-even teams. And if the Penguins win tonight, uh, they're probably in about the position you would have guessed they would have been in through four games. Josh, great stuff. I'll see you at the rink in just a little bit. All right, Mark, see you in a couple of hours. That's Josh Joey from TheAthletic.com. I'm Mark Madden. In just a moment, I'll talk to Bob McLaughlin, 105.9. Um, this is Patrick Hornquist of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. If you're just tuning in, it looks like Carl Haglin will play tonight. No word on what line he'll be on. I assume he'll be on Malkin's line. I assume he'll wear a full face cage, even though Tom Wilson is suspended for three games. Joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, uh, what is your take on the suspension? Is three games adequate? And, boy, I think it's scary that he might be back for game seven. That would be, as I've repeatedly said, like the Roman Coliseum. Yeah. Um, 
I am okay with three games, Mark. I know you are not. I know that you want many more. Um, but I am okay with three games because it is a huge step for the NHL Department of Player Safety. I mean, we were sitting here. See, yes- I, I think it's token. I think when the guy commits three suspendable offenses in nine playoff games and then gets a three-game suspension, I think it's appeasement. I think it's token. Let me say I'm okay with them starting somewhere, though. And I think that this is an okay start. Obviously, they can't go back and you know suspend him for the two calls that weren't made when they didn't take action you know in the Columbus series and then again earlier on Dumoulin but they are doing it now three games I think was a lot more than many people thought I said yesterday I thought he would get one maybe two uh so I was shocked when they got three but I'm okay with that did you did you see the video from the Department of Player Safety yeah watch the whole thing it it was like five and a half minutes (laughs) they almost needed a a color analyst to to go along with the play-by-play yeah but I think they did a good job on it I mean I think that they you know, brought up a lot of the same points that people here in the city and people across hockey were saying, people that agree with that mindset that it was definitely a suspendable, a punishable hit. Um, now, as for the other names that you've thrown out earlier in the show who think that it's totally wrong and that hockey has all of a sudden taken a bad turn, uh, what are you going to do with those people? You know, obviously, they don't care about moving the game forward. They like it the way it is because it gave them a way to make a lot of money. Is hockey broken did you watch what happened with Wilson and listen and watch the aftermath, all the comments, all the portraying of him as a victim? Does it make you want to watch hockey less? No, it doesn't want me to make hockey uh, make me want to watch hockey less, Mark. It doesn't. But I do understand the question is, is it broken? And I would say to a point, yeah, it is. Um, but I also think that this three-game suspension, and, and let's let's be clear, they have to go forward aggressively from here. You know, this should be the starting point for hits like that with three <laughs> yeah. games. I know. <laughs> it's, it's so cute the way you say that. Well, just trying to answer the question sort of, kind of, like we would want it to happen, and I understand that this is the NHL, and they don't always do things. In fact, rarely do they do things that make sense. But they have started the process now. They should start from here. Three games for a hit like that. And then again, as Kevin Colbert said earlier in the week, and as you talked about also, Take intent out of the equation. A headshot is a headshot. Punish it. Get it out of the game. Uh, is tonight must win for the Penguins, and do you like their chances? 90% must win. So, yeah, I, I, I'm okay with using that term, Mark, because I agree with you. They don't come back and win three straight if they lose this one. Um, I do like their chances tonight also with who they're getting back, with Malkin seasoned, I guess, with a game back already like Tom Galati uh, talked about in the 3 o'clock hour. He looked good in the first game back. I was okay with his play. He was, you know, he had some great chances. He was creating. I think you see more of that tonight, and if they get Hagelin back on that line, uh, I think that that's enough to jumpstart the Pens to maybe a 4-3, a 3-2 win tonight. What's your take on the Washington NFL cheerleaders controversy where they say they were required to post topless for a photo shoot in 2013. They were required to ask as escorts for team sponsors at a nightclub event. They were uh, required to participate in twerking contests on a boat outing. Uh, I have a problem with the use of the word required. Couldn't they have said no? And isn't it demeaning in this day and age to be a cheerleader in the first place? Well, I'm kind of confused as to why it took so long. We're talking about 2013 now. You know, that. Really? I know that there are contract negotiations going, you know, with a lot of the cheerleading squads against the league and everything, but if you had that much of a problem with it, you've had five years to bring it up, five years to make things better. You know, I'm sure that not everybody on the squad 
was upset against it. I'm sure that some people went along. Different people have different morals. Different Somebody p- won the twerking contest, Bob. Y- yes, exactly. Somebody won. You know, look, if whatever they ask him to do, they can say no. There is always a, I'll take this step, but that's it. I'm not going to the next step. I'll do the photo shoot. I am not losing my top. You know, I'll go to a party with this gentleman, but I'm not going to be assigned to him all night, whether it's a big... Spe- Wouldn't you bet, though, that they weren't assigned to individual sponsors, that they were just hostesses in general? Yeah. That's what it read like to me. How about you? Yeah, that's exactly how it read. And again, Mark, it comes back to the confusion is if they were assigned a guest like that, or if it was that, you know, I don't want to use the word titillating, but if they were uncomfortable at that much, at that point, you've had five years to bring it up and make questions about it in the past and to make sure it doesn't happen again at another cheerleading function. Why all of a sudden is it coming up now, and why has it taken the next step in gravitas or importance that you have to bring it up now? It seemed pretty important back then in 2013. That's Bob McLaughlin brought to you by 84 Lumber. Just a moment. I hate to keep talking about Tom Wilson, the hit in the aftermath, but I can't help it. I'm addicted. It's like heroin. 105.9 The X.